Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 7 through 27. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb was sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so that we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me, for it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples begin to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I remember meals. And I don't just mean that in the sense of, oh, hey, remember when we used to be able to go out and eat food? Although I do remember that fondly as well. But I'm talking about the overall experience of meals, the tastes and smells connected with the gathering, the people, the events, and of course, the food. You've got memories of meals like this probably too. I remember what I had for lunch the day that I proposed to Amy at the Olive Garden, what we had for dinner at Peoria's River Station. I remember the dinner that we had at St. Elizabeth's. They served us steak when Lily was born. Or I remember the, the pub two cheese balls we had the day that Clara was born. Or I remember the long noodle soup I had for my 40th birthday the day before we met Theo. I remember the best nachos I ever had at a ball game or the tastiest pumpkin donuts I can find in the fall. I just remember food. And the thoughts and the sensory experience of all that just takes me to the place and the memories of the people that I shared that with, the conversations that we had, the time that we spent together sharing around a table. I think there's something about table time 
I think it's one of the reasons God gave us a really important lesson around a meal. We're spending time this month looking at dinner time because God uses food and table time as important time in Scripture. We've touched on a few ways that that's true before, but we're going to dig in a little bit more this month. I'm also looking at the topic because for as many of the experiences that we cannot have during this careful response to COVID-19 time, we still eat. God invited us to let mealtime be a time to remember who God is, what's been done for us, and who we are in Christ. It's an open door to just pause for a moment, give thanks, have some conversation, and invite the presence of the Lord. For all the different ways that we need reminders of the goodness of God and how we can experience more of God's presence, we're handed a pretty significant gift with mealtimes. And we're starting with a powerful dinner time, Christ's Last Supper, before his death and resurrection. Our first lesson this morning is, preparation is an often overlooked part of our mealtime. Preparation is an often overlooked part of our mealtime. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. This is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Now, I don't say preparation is an overlooked part somehow, like food arrives at the table by magical tree elves. I don't think that's true. I don't mean that preparation doesn't happen or that the work of preparation isn't appreciated, but there are some opportunities that our busyness may cause us to overlook. Have you ever been following a recipe, but you cut out an important ingredient or accidentally put in the wrong measure of something? Like when you leave eggs out of something or adding too much salt or if you forget to put water in microwave noodles. My roommates almost kicked me out of a college apartment for that one once. The, the instructions for preparing food make a difference. It may be a difference in flavor, or in the case of the noodles, it could mean that you fill an enclosed space with horrible smelling smoke damage. The instructions are there for a reason, and the same is true when we're preparing ourselves for a meal. See, it's not just preparing food. We're preparing for encounters with God and with others. And Jesus' disciples heard some hard-to-believe instructions, right? All these different things about find this man, tell him a specific line, he'll take care of you. What are the odds of those things just falling into place and being correct? They had seen Jesus do this type of thing before, and so their, their faithful response is, it's worth a shot. Following Jesus' instructions and preparation is important all the time. But I want to invite us to think about a recipe for how we prepare ourselves in mealtime. Let's center our own hearts upon Jesus to make Christ the filter for your thoughts, your actions, and your words. Center your prayers on bringing your family or guests before God. With each place we set, there's someone Jesus is drawing to himself, and we are blessed to host them. Maybe name each of them in prayer with each plate or place. Center your hearts towards service. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But centering our own hearts on Jesus, bringing others that we are serving and spending time with before the Lord, and allowing ourselves to have hearts 
bent towards service. This is part of the recipe of our own preparation for mealtimes. Now, I've been at a variety of different tables, and certainly there are some sour old grapes who will sit around tables and gossip and complain about everyone and their mothers, and they have the audacity to wonder why folks won't come and be a part of their coffee club. But as Christ followers, we get to make certain our hearts are ready to welcome people, and that we keep Christ for ourselves and hopefully for others at the heart of what we're doing. Now, why? Because, this is our second lesson, Jesus is still eager to join with us at our tables. Jesus is still eager to join with us at our tables. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God. He broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. I really love meeting people for food. I really do. When we moved to a safer phase of reopening in this region, my family got to do a socially distanced backyard cookout with some of Amy's family in town. The first time we got to dine with people beyond our immediate family was like a breath of fresh air, even if part of that breath was taken through a masked face. I've had a chance to enjoy some outdoor dining with a colleague in the area. I'd like food anyhow, but I like my friends and family also. So when you put those two things together, it becomes one of the highlights on my calendar, and I look forward to it for days. It's great to share those times with special people. There may be folks that we can talk with very easily, or maybe they're people that we can laugh with. They're the ones who get us and make us feel at ease in our own skin. You likely have some of those people that you meet with over a meal too, and there's something within us that just craves time with them. I believe that's one of the reasons why Jesus wants to be a part of our tables. He was speaking to his disciples about the importance of this particular meal, but I think Jesus is excited whenever we make him a part of when we eat or drink. When we thank him for the food and for the people around us and for those who labored to prepare the meal, I think that Jesus invites, that we get to invite Jesus in, and that makes him glad. When we connect with each other on a level of deeper connection than things like weather and sports and move to caring for each other's souls, Jesus is at our tables and a part of that exchange. Jesus still wants to be a part of those gatherings. In my mind, I imagine Jesus wants to hang out, wants to hang out with us so that we can move from the awkwardness of, oh, hey, everybody, Jesus is here, so don't cuss or drink too much, okay? But to move instead to just linger in peace and comfort with God, our Savior. Did you ever think that Jesus bought our way to his table? Jesus bought our way to his table. He paid our way with his broken body and his poured out blood. I mean, that does earn him a place at our table too, doesn't it? Because if we acknowledge Jesus is at the table with us, that changes quite a bit. And here's one of the main things that it changes. 
That's lesson three. Another person's brokenness doesn't stop us from serving. Another person's brokenness doesn't stop us from serving. Jesus goes on, but here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, In this world the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. The leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. I like listening to Brene Brown. I've shared a clip from her before. She's an expert and scholar on issues like shame and vulnerability. And she talks about how shame is universal. It's an issue that so few people talk about. And she's done quite a bit of work to change that. We bury our shame, though, because it's too painful to consistently feel like we are insufficient, not worth anything. We put on our fronts of strength, worthiness, and value to cover up how soft and sensitive we may be to the thoughts and opinions of others. And here's something Brene says. You can't shame someone out of shame. You can't shame someone out of shame. Do you get it? We can't lift someone out of the mire of worthlessness by dumping buckets of worthlessness on top of them. People are only elevated from shame through love. These guys at Jesus' table were doing some shameful things. They were arguing about who's best among them because maybe they're feeling insecure or inadequate. One of them was plotting actively to betray Jesus. Several were boasting about loyalty, but they scattered when signs of conflict arose. Jesus knew their frailties. He knew their failures and shortcomings. He knew how much they'd hurt and how unhelpful other avenues would be towards their healing. Now, they'd need to come back to him desperately. So he loved them, and he served them, not for their own goodness or worth, but out of the abundance of his. It's the same reason he loves us, serves us, and joins at our tables yet today. When we are broken and hurting, Jesus doesn't pour on criticism and make us feel worthless. He invites us to be nourished by his grace, his forgiveness, and his love, joined at his table with Christ at our tables. We are rebuilt. That's why we prepare our hearts as we prepare our food. That's why we invite Christ to be with us. It's why we serve, because he prepares a place for us. Jesus secured a place at his table for us, and because he was first among us as one who serves. As Paul declared to the Corinthian church, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We move now into a time of love feast. We have a chance to take those things that we gathered earlier in this service, our food, maybe something to eat, something to drink, And we're going to have an opportunity to be able to spend some time giving thanks to God. Christ is at our tables. Part of our role here is just to let our eyes be opened to God's presence among us. And so 
as you would have the opportunity, we're going to start by singing our gratitude to God. Then we'll have a chance to share something we're thankful for as we eat and as we drink. And then we'll come back together with another opportunity to share our gratitude. And then we will sing together again. So let's start off with our opening thanksgiving to a familiar tune. Be present at our table, Lord. Be here and everywhere adored. Your creatures bless and grant that we may feast in fellowship with Thee. Amen. Now let's spend some time confessing. Almighty and all-loving God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have reconciled the world to yourself. Help us to now be reconciled with one another so we can once again dwell in the warmth of your love. Inspire us with your Holy Spirit to put aside the covering of pride and put on Christ so we would forgive and be forgiven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we read in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In the name of Christ, we have received that forgiveness. Now, we'll take an opportunity to share whatever we have to eat and whatever we have to drink in our homes. And as you do, make sure you just take a moment to say what you're thankful for. For myself, I am really, really grateful for the people of this congregation who continue to serve in difficult and challenging times and for the difference that this church continues to make in the community. I'm grateful. Once again, let's sing together the lyrics on the screen. Father of earth and heaven, your hungry children fed. Your grace now to our spirits given is true immortal bread. Let us and all our race in Jesus Christ to prove the sweetness of your saving grace, your satisfying love. <laughs> 